Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. A desire to bring the truth to the forefront and a refusal to back down. The Roy Green Show continues. We're back on the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. We're having a, some issues uh, getting through to Vivian Krauss, but we will continue to do, try to get through. And uh, we're going to be talking about this whole issue about the, the pipeline and um, Trans Mountain Pipeline, as you know, continues to be a, a major concern, a major issue. And uh, the question now is apparently going to sound like how much will Canadian taxpayers be picking up as far as the eventual total bill for the pipeline extension is going to be, some $7.4 billion. How much of it will we end up picking up in an agreement with Kinder Morgan? If that's the way it's going to turn out. We're going to be speaking with the mayor of Fort Nelson, British Columbia, in just a minute. And we'll be joined by Vivian Krauss as well. And we'll talk about what's happening in that part of British Columbia, where they've been hit very hard with the non-building um, of, a, of a gas pipeline. And that was decided by a B.C. Supreme Court justice. There's so many issues, so many uh, aspects of this that are intertwined. So before we do any of that, let me just uh, take you back to last weekend when we spoke with the premier of Saskatchewan, Scott Moe. And uh, I asked the premier about the situation with the pipeline itself, why it was important. Because Saskatchewan got into the uh, argument between British Columbia and Alberta, and Saskatchewan had said that they would pass legislation, if Alberta did, to, in fact, make it impossible for Saskatchewan energy to be moved to uh, British Columbia. So here's uh, what Scott Moe said. The Premier of British Columbia has has no grounds to be making comments uh, on this on the, on this uh, on the approval of this project. It's been approved and they and it should be built. If the situation continues as is, would you consider actually turning off the spigot for oil from Saskatchewan making its way to British Columbia? 
Well, Saskatchewan does send some energy products uh, that are utilized in British Columbia, um, and uh, Alberta would, would send a fair amount more. And I would say this, if, if Alberta is going to pass their legislation to turn the taps off, if you will, to British Columbia, um, the next logical place for British Columbia to come for that product is Saskatchewan, and, and we would pass legislation so that it wouldn't be accessible. Uh, this, this pipeline uh, should be built. It's unfortunate that it comes to a conversation such as this. Um, but, you know, at the crux of the matter is this is a national, this is a federal government decision and and they should they should move on this pipeline with whatever tools they have and I you know we'll talk about some of the tools that they're using in other areas where they actually don't have jurisdiction like such as carbon tax mm-hmm. but he, but here this begs the question our ports our rail lines our pipelines are, are under the national purview for a reason our nation was built on the construction of some of these projects and they've been very unifying projects for the nation of Canada if a province such as British Columbia is able to stop one of these projects, it begs the question is, do we, do we still have a nation? And when a Premier of Canada asks that question, it's not a question you ignore. And we didn't. And we can't. And yet the pipeline still remains, the Trans Mountain Pipeline still remains, a great issue of contention. Now, the Americans are still pouring money into Canada. Vivian Krauss has told us that at uh, Fair Questions on Twitter. To stop the whole, uh, uh, the pipeline building in this country... Because the Americans like to be able to get our fuel, our, our energy, our oil at a discounted price. Let me say hello to Vivian Krauss uh, at Fair Questions on uh, Twitter. Hi, Vivian. Hi, Roy. Hello from Fort Nelson. Great to have you with us again. And uh, with us as well from Fort Nelson is the mayor, Mayor Bill Streeper. How are you, Mr. Mayor? Hello there. Not too bad. Mayor Streeper, when you hear uh, the Premier of Saskatchewan talking about the the issues and the and the challenges that are being dealt with by provinces, or the the challenges that are causing provinces to be pit against one another, how familiar does that sound to you in Fort Nelson? Oh, that sounds quite familiar. We've gone around and around and around and that and uh, I mean, I don't want to see things interrupted, but something's got to be done, especially at British Columbia, to wake people up to a wheel world that's here and they got to realize that uh, what they're saying and what they're doing is unrealistic you know and I can uh, cite examples when Shell pulled into Broward Inlet with that drilling rig here to have some repairs done oh I don't know four years ago five years ago and the environmentalists went out there and surrounded the whole drilling rig and wanted them out of there every one of them was in a plastic canoe now, plastic canoe, we know, comes from the petrochemical industry. Yeah. So, I mean, realistically, you're out there boycotting against somebody in the oil industry, and you're in a plastic canoe. That's where it comes from. What has all this done to your community? It's just about wrecked our community. Um, we were a very vibrant... Uh, I was in the oil field transportation for 40-some years, and uh, right now there's not a rig moving, there's not a rig drilling. Our production from here, the uh, Enbridge plant, is down to just a bare minimum. Uh, very little gas is going out of here. Um, we've got uh, quite a few houses owned by the bank. Unemployment is as high as it can ever be. There's just no money here. Um, people can't even pay stall rents for, for modular homes. Their wives are uh, living in town with their kids trying to raise a family, and the husbands are scattered all over Canada wherever they can find a job. 
And I mean, what kind of lifestyle is that? It isn't. You know, absolutely, and all because of a stop in the oil and gas, and also here in the logging industries. We have absolutely no industry here. Uh, being on council, we've gone two years now with reducing our budgets. We we just couldn't exist. The people couldn't afford to pay the taxes, and we're down to the point. If we got to re- reduce our budget anymore, we got to reduce services and. Uh, give you an example, rec center open maybe only six days a week. Uh, if that's the case, what we got to do, but uh, there, there's no money. Point blank, there's there's no jobs. Uh, right now, Fort Nelson is pretty well about as worse as I've ever seen a community. What would you want to say to Premier Horgan and to Mr. Andrew Weaver? Well, first of all, I'd like to say both of you try to go one day without using any petroleum products which is literally impossible because they're both dressed in them. Um, one thing I'd like to just jump off the subject a little bit, but it's to do with this subject. They're sitting there, and they're coming down on Kinder Morgan, and uh, they don't want the pipeline, and they don't want the crude shipping. Yet, eight miles south of the B.C. American border, there's a place called Cherry Point, Washington. Have you ever heard of it? I have, Yes. The big BP refinery. That refinery processes 235,000 barrels a day. The majority of the crude for that refinery comes from Valdez, Alaska, down the BC coast, around the tip of Vancouver Island in American waters, and is actually located farther north than Victoria. And yet, there is not one tourist, one fisherman, one politician in Victoria, and anybody living on Vancouver Island have ever seen a drop of crude on B.C. shore. And that's been going on since 1971. And we know now, uh, Vivian, we know now that the, the price of oil on the world market is going up. They're talking about the $70 barrel, the $80 barrel, and some people are speculating perhaps even the $100 barrel will return. So there's there's no uh, there's no lack of, uh, of interest in, in, in buying oil from developing countries and countries like China, which just finalized a, a huge deal with Brazil. Yeah. You know, Roy, there's, there's an elephant in the room here. There's this topic that's been taboo that nobody's want to talk about for years now and we need to talk about it you know it's the it's the m word the monopoly we need to talk about the fact that the u.s has a monopoly on oil from western canada and building these pipelines is not just a construction project it's it's re-jigging the trade relationship one of the most valuable trade relationships in the world which is the trade of oil between the U.S. and Canada. And we need our politicians, starting with our prime minister and our premiers, to talk about this and to talk about how the fact that our neighbor has our country over a barrel. And people need to understand that what is happening is that these U.S.-funded activists are creating regulations, protests, and campaigning as part of a campaign that is explicitly to keep Canadian oil out of overseas markets where it can fetch a higher price per barrel. Their activism is costing us $40 million a day 
And we need our politicians finally to talk about this. And what are the chances of that? Because as, as I was saying last weekend with uh, Premier Horgan, Premier Notley, and Prime Minister Trudeau all talking about the extension of the Trans Mountain Pipeline, there you have three Canadian politicians who don't believe in pipelines to begin with. So what's, how, much, how much real interest do they have? I mean, Premier Horgan has an interest in, in delaying the thing as long as possible, but how much interest does Premier Notley or Prime Minister Trudeau really have in, in building it? I mean, I, I'm not being a cynic when I ask well, that question. I think, you know, if, if uh, people in government won't raise the issue of the U.S. monopoly, then it falls to the, the, the opposition parties, yes, both federally and mm-hmm. at the provincial level. Somebody needs to have the courage to bring up this topic. And if they won't, then it's going to fall to people at the municipal level, like our mayor here in, in Fort Nelson, where we are today. By the way, have you got an echo, Roy? Yeah, we have, we're getting an echo, and I, it's something we're going to work on when we take the break, which we'll do right now. And we'll see if we can't fix that. We'll come back with uh, Mayor Bill Streeper of Fort Nelson, British Columbia, and Vivian Kraus at Fair Questions on Twitter. Don't go away. Straight talk. No nonsense. Honest debate. This is The Roy Green Show. Emails to Roy at RoyGreenShow.com, Roy at RoyGreenShow.com. Back to Mayor Bill Streeper of Fort Nelson, British Columbia, and Vivian Krause at Fair Questions on Twitter. And uh, Vivian, of course, also writes for the Financial Post. And Vivian's the person who discovered the amounts, the huge amounts of money that are flowing from the United States into Canada. And the money is being funneled toward individuals and groups who are opposing the building of the pipelines. And there's little being said, actually nothing being said by our prime minister and our federal government about this. And we have provinces at each other's throats and there's economic repercussions that are going to affect us all. And at some point, Quebec will get into this because they are importing oil from the Middle East and they're doing it by tanker. Um, Mayor Streeper, remind us again, please, of what is going on. How has this entire mess affected your community of 4,500? And then I ask you this as well. Other communities which are reasonably close to you, how are they being affected? What's the overall effect on the area of British Columbia you call home? Because wasn't the province or wasn't the federal government going to make up for the the uh, the, uh, the challenges that you were going to be facing because of the pipelines and about oil and gas with the uh, resurgence of the uh, of the forestry industry? Um, they, they were. That is slowly happening. Uh, is there any trees being cut down? No, there isn't right now. Um, there's been a lot of talk, and they were looking at that, but uh, we haven't seen one job created as of yet. But if anybody's ever seen a devastated town in North America, it, it's right here. Like you're, you're literally businesses that the the small what we call the mom and pa operation you know the corner stores stuff like that they're gone uh, beauty salons they're gone you know this kind of stuff there's just not the work here uh, for them people to stay in existence uh, right now industrial real estate in uh, fort nelson is a little better than 60 to 62 percent vacant right now wow. and i'm talking uh, buildings that were 
you know, multi-million dollars to build. There's uh, just no need for them. There's no need for the tenants. What are they All selling the, for? What What's the real estate selling for? What's the re- uh, real estate selling for? Yeah. Some of it's selling less than the price of the property right now. Uh, you can get into a a, a very nice uh, three-bedroom for under 100000 Wow. And... Uh, you know, again, like I was saying earlier, it's the lifestyle, too, that's, uh, you know, broken up. And mm-hmm. we used to be a community of 6,800 people. We have sitting on the shelf at the municipal office the plans to take us to 10,000 and the plans to take us to 15,000 because the way it was happening back here in the 80s, that's where we were going to be. And uh, you virtually couldn't get a house. You couldn't buy property. Things were just so busy and going around here and... When the oil patch was hopping and the lumber industry was going, I mean, we were a busy place. And uh, right now, it's, it's, it's devastation. Do you see, do you foresee larger communities um, in British Columbia, in Alberta, in Saskatchewan, and really um, probably all of Canada because the oil issue and the oil sands issue affects everybody. Do you see other communities that consider themselves to perhaps be immune from what you're experiencing, to actually be on the list, to have not getting uh, quite as um, dramatic a change in their lives as you have, but nevertheless, better get ready for for some significant changes. Um, There is other communities, um, some community, like we are a gas community when you talk about oil. I mean, Mm -hmm. we are dry gas. We have no condensate, which is a very light form of crude. Uh, communities to the south of us are better off because they do have gas with condensate, but they're still not back to where they were, let's say, in 2006, 2005. They're, they're not to that level yet, but they're in better shape than we are. And the only reason this has happened to you is because, finish that sentence for me, please. Because we have dry gas. And the politicians haven't done their job, the governments haven't done their jobs and you've been left We hanging. were the communities that was supplying the natural gas for the LNG. Our gas that we have here is in very high volumes, uh, very, um, uh, the formations here are probably some of the best natural gas formations in the world. And when you hook onto them, they, they just run for years. And we just have so much gas here that, uh, LNG is the only area for us to go, and we were building for the LNG when they announced that they were <clears throat> going to go ahead with these and look at it, and that's what everybody here was hoping to cash in on as being the producing area, which we will be if LNG ever gets going. Look at natural gas, and that would benefit all of Canada, directly British Columbia, but also the rest of Canada. We'll come back. With Mayor Streeper and with Vivian Krauss. Don't go away. You're only as good as your word, and he stands by his. This is the Roy Green Show. Ask yourself if anybody's really in charge, if anybody's really driving, or if it's just special interests that are dictating what's going to happen in this country. 
what's going to happen to the economics of uh, gas and oil, with which we're blessed, with which Canada is blessed. We have huge amounts of gas and oil, but we're not taking advantage of the opportunities that we have. And I hear a lot about concerns about the environment and about oil spills and about issues that deserve to be discussed and debated. But I don't understand, and it's just me, I don't understand how tankers are so much worse than rail cars. I don't get it. I know you're going to tell me that rail cars, if one of them is small, much smaller than a tanker, but I lived close to Lake Lake Megantic in Quebec, and I saw what happened there. This is an issue that has to be resolved. I don't hear about tankers leaking into the St. Lawrence River. I hear about a lot of fecal matter being deposited into the St. Lawrence by the city of Montreal. I've also heard about a lot of fecal matter being deposited into the ocean in British Columbia. But the longer there's an absence of leadership, real leadership, and it has to come because it's a federal issue, it has to come from the prime minister, and it has to come from the PMO, it has to come from the federal government, as long as there is an absence or an increasing absence of leadership, the issue is only going to become more challenging, more disturbing, more polarizing, and less productive. Vivian Krauss, at Fair Questions on Twitter, and Mayor Bill Streeper from Fort Nelson, British Columbia, are with me. We're talking about the, uh, the fallout on one community of what's been going on and what is going on currently. Vivian, would you add your thoughts to this, please? Sure, I'd, I'd love to. I think we need two things. We need leadership. We need our politicians to talk about the issues. And we need Canadians to have a common understanding of what is actually going on. People need to realize this is not just about the environment. It is about the U.S. monopoly on our oil. It is about how the U.S. has Canada over a barrel and how we need to break that U.S. monopoly. We also need to look at how the politicians that we currently have in power got elected in the first place, both federally, provincially, and also in British Columbia in, at, the, at the municipal levels in some of the key ridings. You know, um, Roy, you know, over the last eight years, I've been following the money that's gone into this uh, campaign that they call the Tar Sands Campaign. And what I notice is that after about 2012, the top-funded groups are the ones who are involved in get-the-vote-out activism, in elections activism, in especially an organization called the Sisu Institute, which funds LEAD Now, and secondly, the Dogwood Initiative. And, you know, the, the Sisu Institute... They claim to have helped defeat 26 conservative incumbents. Of course, they didn't do that. You know, they, they were certainly not the only factor in, in, that contributed to the results of the 2015 federal election. But in some ridings, they had full-time staff where the riding was lost, for example, in Winnipeg by some 60 votes. So we need to look. We need to understand the reason that our... I'm not saying I, I'm excusing this, but we need to understand that the reason that our politicians are so sensitive to these anti-pipeline activists is because they help them get elected. Now look at Premier Horgan, for example, the individual who is in charge of the digital communications for the entire government of British Columbia is from the Dogwood Initiative. So you now have the guy controlling digital communications for the entire BC government who is from the team that is running this anti-pipeline campaign. The Premier hired him, chose him out of everybody that he could have chosen 
put someone from the anti-pipeline campaign in charge of the government's communication. You know, that's, and so what, you're, what, you, what you have is an individual who has been at the heart of a campaign that is costing Canada $40 million a day. That individual is now running communications for the B.C. government. And we wonder why the premier is on side with the anti-pipeline campaign. I think that begins to explain it. We also have Gerald Butts, who's the former head of the World Wildlife Federation, as the primary advisor to Prime Minister Trudeau. And Mr. Butts is no... Uh, no champion of, uh, of of pipelines or of the oil sands, and we know that Justin Trudeau isn't. So yeah. you're you you're the only person, literally. You're you're a a one person army who's informing oh. Canada. You really are. Well, well, Roy. Here's the thing. So at my blog, I just put up a post a couple of days ago. I haven't even tweeted it yet, but it, it what it calls for is a reconsideration of how the Canada Revenue Agency, how the CRA handled. Yeah, the, the audits of the political activity of charities, okay? The CRE reported at the end of 2016 that they had audited 42 charities and 41 out of 42 were somehow in the wrong. The federal government then asked the CRA to discontinue all the follow-up with regards to these audits. One of the things that the CRA had reported before um, the, the change of government was that they had found undue benefits. That means someone who's involved with, in the director of one of these charities got money that that individual shouldn't have had. And we need to ask, who was that individual? Is it, in fact, someone who was in the PMO? Gerald Butts, for example, got $400,000 as what he calls severance. Okay? Imagine if the president of the Fraser Institute had resigned to run the campaign, uh, the leadership and then the election campaigns for Andrew Scheer. And the Fraser Institute pay that individual a $400,000, you know, severance, which is tantamount, really, to a sabbatical. Imagine the scandal there would be. Mm-hmm. Well, we have almost the exact same situation having occurred with Gerald Butts. So we need, to, we need to know why were those audits basically swept under the carpet? And who, who are the individuals who got these undue benefits? If, it, if one of those individuals isn't the principal secretary to so the prime minister of our country, well, then let's, let's, let's hear it. The CRA needs to explain this to Canadians. What happened to those, what happened to those audits? They also found um, serious noncompliance, you know. And imagine, okay, there's a charity, a registered charity that did absolutely nothing except transfer money from Tides Canada to another foundation called the Salal Foundation, which then funds the Dogwood Initiative, the engine of anti-pipeline activism. How is it? that a registered charity can be involved in that sort of a, you know, a, a chain of flowing money and, and can be considered charitable. That's the DI Foundation. I've raised this before. It needs to be shut down, and every other shell charity like it needs to be shut down. We need to have charities doing charity, not politics in the interests of another country. And it's not as though you've been putting together this information and keeping it to yourself. You've shared this in the pages of the Financial Post. You've shared it on uh, Fair Questions on Twitter. You've shared it with uh, with, with 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 broadcasters uh, like me. You've been very open with the information. There's no reason to suspect that in the PMO or in the uh, in in the office of uh, various premiers and in the offices of the CRA, they're not just they're not fully aware. We know they're fully aware of what you just yes. talked about. So they're quite happy to just leave things the way they are. Well, where, whereas we're saying, you're saying, follow the money. Yeah, but you know, Roy, as you know, right, 
the day this gets mentioned on the floor of the House of Commons, mark my words, it will lead the evening news. We need Her Majesty's loyal opposition, whichever party that is. Of course, we know at the moment it's the Conservative Party of Canada. That party needs to raise this issue on the floor of the House of Commons. The day that happens, it'll be on CBC, it'll be in the Globe and Mail, all those media outlets that haven't want to talk about it. When the leader of the opposition raises the issue, it will be discussed. Interesting you should bring up the leader of the opposition, because that's how we started the program today, talking about the public absence of Andrew Scheer. And Mr. Scheer should take this particular cause and case, uh, take the bit between his teeth and run with it, because it's for the benefit of the country. And I think he might be surprised at how many Canadians across Canada would thank him for doing that, and it might really support him quite quite well come next October. Yeah. 2019. We've been waltzed, Roy. You know, we've been waltzed, is what's happened, this great green waltz. We've been told that yeah. this, all this anti-pipeline activism was about protecting the environment. No, it's not. It's about protecting the U.S. monopoly on our oil. I have about two minutes uh, before we have to thank you both for joining us. Uh, Mr. Mayor, what is your... What is your um, What's your prognostication for your community if things don't change? If things don't improve, what happens to Fort Nelson? Oh, well, basically, there'll be one person here selling fuel to a tourist that wants to go to Alaska, and that's it. Uh, Our industrial base will be completely wiped right out. Uh, There will be people that uh, will have lost millions of dollars in uh, infrastructure that was put in here, real estate that was put in here, and stuff like this, and... uh, we, we just can't take no more. But I'd like to add one thing here before uh, we leave here. Sure. Of how many people in the East know about the provincial equalization payments? Most of us. You know, where you take all the money from B.C., well, surplus money from B.C., Alberta, Saskatchewan, yeah. and you ship it to Newfoundland and Nova Scotia. Or Quebec. We don't, or Ontario. We don't have any money to send anymore. It's also Ontario and Quebec. Well, Quebec's always gotten billions, but Ontario's a right. have-not province get now. Get it from you. Yeah, well, me don't have it anymore. My wallet's empty. It really is, it really is, it, it begs the question, is anybody awake? Or what's the real agenda that they have? What, to, to drive us back to the time in our history when we were drawing pictures on cave walls with charcoal? Well, I'm being a little cynical, but... Well, you don't have to be because everything else you're going to use to write with is going to be gone because it's all made out of petroleum products. The plastic that holds your pen together, where mm-hmm. do you think that comes from? I'm on your side, Mr. Mayor. You know, this is what people got to realize. Yeah. This industry, we cannot live without. You won't even go to a hospital to get an MRI because that's solid plastic. Can you imagine you know what, what people think? would do without their smartphone? Yeah. Yeah. And... Um, and uh, when yeah. you're talking about solar panels, they're all made out of petroleum products. Yeah. Vivian, what's your sense of action actually being taken? What's, what's your feeling? I mean, we can push as, as hard as we can, and, and media needs to push hard and get the, and get the conservatives, the opposition, uh, to do as, exactly what you said. But what, how much, and I have 60 seconds, what's your sense that things will actually take place? We can do this, Roy. Come on, we're Canadians. Up, up here around Fort Nelson, they used to walk hundreds of kilometers from over the Edmonton area all the way over the Rockies. 
the people that have come before us have faced way greater challenges than Facebook and Twitter. Well All we have to do is get our politicians to talk about this on the floor of the House of Commons, and it will start to spread, and people will start to understand what's really going on. And once Canadians wake up and realize they start to smell the competition that we have, we, things will start to change. I'm confident. Right. We just, it's hard work. We just need to get down to it and get it done. I just have this feeling, this little thought in my brain, uh, Prime Minister Krause. Just I don't know who you're talking about. You! But my Uncle Bob, my <laughs> Uncle Bob used to work up here in Fort Nelson. And let me tell you, we've got to finish this on a positive note. It is gorgeous up here. Yeah. You should see it. There's still snow around, huge, big, big blue skies. People are super friendly. It's, it, you know, it, it breaks my heart to hear the mayor talk about the difficulty, even the divorces, even the, even the social things right. that we aren't mentioning, right? But, you know, we, just, we drove through Prophet River on the way up here. They have a gorgeous community center, high school. It's a beautiful place, you know, and that we have because of the prosperity of our country. We need to, that, we need to maintain that prosperity because that's what pays for the kind of centers that are getting built on in First Nations communities and, you know, the, the more remote communities where people don't have some of the luxuries that we have in cities like Vancouver and Toronto. You know, yeah. we've got to fight for everybody here. We need a country that's fair for all. My dear, I'm glad, we, a lot of hard work. I'm glad we have you. We'll keep pushing from this end. We understand better after having had the opportunity to speak with Mayor Streeper from Fort Nelson and know what's happening with his community. You deserve to have your community back. You deserve to have common sense prevail. And you deserve to see the natural gas that you have used for prosperity of all Canadians, but directly for the community of Fort Nelson. Mr. Mayor, thank you so much, Vivian. As always, thank you to you. Hey, thanks for the opportunity, Roy. Okay. And same thing. Thank you very much. Okay, we'll talk again. We'll talk again, Mr. Mayor. We're going to stay in touch with you for sure. And Vivian, of course. Okay, we'll uh, take a break and we will come back. And we're going to talk to Ken Green of the Fraser Institute because Canada has uh, a remarkable success story to tell. It's the world leader in environmental performance. We'll come right back.